Welcome to our Thought Leaders Talk Business Podcast, where we tap into the minds of business consultants and professionals to gain ideas and strategies to help you gain a competitive advantage. I am your host, Debbie Fleeman. Our guest today is Steve Bellinger, a longtime computer geek and a science fiction author. Steve wrote his first computer program for an IBM 360 mainframe in 1968. My computer experience goes back 50 years. Wow. If, uh, if you've ever seen the film Hidden Figures? Yes, yes. That was the first machine I ever programmed in college. In fact, there's a scene where she picks up a Fortran book, which I swear is the book that I used when I was in school. Steve has been involved with digital technology ever since, with the internet from its infancy to the World Wide Web. As a computer software instructor, he has taught a number of classes, both technology and content. There is a tendency, as he has learned, to treat the web as a reliable, trustworthy source of information, but he knows, which we'll talk about today, in reality, it isn't. Steve has taught special classes on keeping kids safe, dealing with misinformation, and how to spot a scam online. Fake news, as it is now called, has become more prevalent and even more effective. Let's take a minute and talk about Steve Bellinger. He was born and raised on the west side of Chicago by a single mom who worked nights for a printing company. She would bring home books and magazines to encourage him and his siblings to read. This is how he discovered Isaac Asimov, Robert Heinlein, Arthur C. Clarke, and the other masters of classic science fiction. It really didn't take him very long to get the itch to write. Over the years, he's written everything from newspaper articles, comic strips, and radio drama to short stories and fan fiction. Steve's first novel, The Chronicar, An Urban Adventure in Time, won the 2018 Best Indie Book Award for Science Fiction, the 2019 Independent Author Network's Outstanding Science Fiction Award, and the 2019 Reader's Favorite Gold Medal Award for Young Adult Science Fiction. It was the Black Science Fiction Society's Book of the Month, the Black Authors Association Pick of the Week, and is part of the University Archives of Steve's alma mater, the Illinois Institute of Technology. Steve's latest novel, Time Waits for No One, The Chronicar Chronicles, is the follow-up to The Chronicar. Other books in this series include Edge of Perception, a paranormal science fiction love story, and Epocalypse, the digital dystopia is coming. They are published by Word Woos Publishing and available in paperback, ebook, and audiobook on Amazon and other online book retailers. You can buy autographed copies at bellingerbooks.com. Steve is also a contributor to Over the Edge, the Edgy Writers Anthology, available in paperback on Amazon. Steve, in recent years, the term fake news has become a big part of our language. 
The internet is known to often be a source of misinformation, but would you say that that is where fake news really got its start? You know, misinformation itself is as old as human communication. History is notorious for it. You know, we're taught to worship our heroes and their accomplishments, but we're rarely told about their foibles, which could be monumental. Now, for example, did you know that George Washington, the father of our country, was actually a slave owner? So was Thomas Jefferson and uh, Benjamin Franklin. But we weren't taught that as kids. I don't know if it's a matter of um, keeping it simple or if they wanted us to revere them as heroes. But again, they were human. Throughout history, we were taught our heroes and our historical figures in a one-dimensional way. You know, he was the father of our country. He started this. He was great. He chopped down a cherry tree and didn't tell a lie about it. But he was also a slave owner. And I think Thomas Jefferson, it's come out recently that uh, he actually has black descendants. There are black Americans walking around with his DNA. So not only did he have uh, slaves, but he had a slave mistress, which doesn't match the image that we generally have of Thomas Jefferson. What forms can misinformation actually take? Well, you know, it can be uh, as simple as a Facebook meme. It could be um, poor research in business. It was a photograph of a political figure. I won't mention any names. It's not that important. But it showed him standing with other dignitaries during the playing of the national anthem, and he did not have his hand over his heart. And so there was a big to-do about how un-American he was. So I did some research, and I found the original video. And it turns out he just lifted his hands a second after the others. And the single frame they caught was before he had put his hands on his heart. So that little bit of misinformation actually gave the wrong impression about this guy, at least in this particular situation. A, a funny story, uh, as you know, I'm a science fiction writer, and my first novel, The Chronicar, published in 2015, and I did a presentation at a bookstore. And afterwards, the uh, manager put my book on the shelf. Now, I don't know if you know who Ray Bradbury is. He is uh, one of the world-famous masters of classic science fiction. Well, he puts my book next to Ray Bradbury, which just sent me over the moon. I bragged about it for months until I looked at the picture and realized Bellinger, Bradbury, was alphabetical. That's a good story. Yeah, and that's one of the ways that uh, things can be misinterpreted. And uh, I, have a, I have a friend named Joe Ruley, history author, and his book was put next to Mike Royko. But again, Ruley, Royko. It sort of burst my balloon. No, it's a big ego boost, though. Now, uh, a couple of other examples. There was a Facebook post that was about um, Halloween candy being laced with uh, illicit drugs. And, of course, this freaked me out. And But, again, unlike most people, I clicked the link and I did the research. Now, the article was published by someone called Empire News. Now, that sounds reputable, right? And uh, Empire News had a disclaimer link. And I'm thinking, why does a news website need a disclaimer? And the disclaimer said, and I quote, Empire News is intended for entertainment purposes only. Our website and social media content uses only fictional names, except in cases of public figures and celebrity parody or a satirization. Any other use of real names is accidental and coincidental. They made it all up. They admitted to it. But you don't see that in the Facebook post. 
And so there are people walking around now who thinking clearly that uh, there's candy laced with drugs when it isn't true. That's frightening. Steve, can you talk about the Mandela effect? Well, um, you remember who Nelson Mandela was? I know him as a political leader and a philanthropist. And for some reason, there are a lot of people on this planet who believe that he died while he was in prison. But he, obviously, he was released from prison because uh, I think it was 2012 or thereabouts, he was actually president of South Africa. So this Mandela effect is how people somehow get the wrong information in their heads and they go around believing this. Now, some of it is is simple and trivia. For example, um, you're familiar with Curious George, the little monkey, running around with the man in yellow with his cute little monkey tail, only he never had a tail. Because most monkeys have tails, we assume that Curious George had one. If you look at all of the cartoons in the books, he never had a tail. Now, uh, one very interesting example of this, back in 1937, Amelia Earhart was lost. She was trying to fly around the world, and, uh, and she believed to crash in the, uh, in the Pacific. Well, three years ago, 2017, a photo was found in a national archives that appeared to have a picture of Amelia Earhart sitting on a dock on the Marshall Islands. And people got very excited about this. It was sort of, here she is. We think we know what happened to her. Fantastic. It was in the news. They gave it plenty of coverage. People talked about it. And then, like three days later, there was an announcement that, oh, big mistake. The photo was taken two years before she disappeared. Well, there are still people who never heard that uh, retraction because the original news report, they must have talked about it for four or five minutes. The retraction, they talked about for 30 seconds. If you didn't catch that little bit, you're walking around with that wrong information in your head. In fact, I did a presentation a few years ago at a library where I gave this example, and there were a number of people, number of people in the audience who thought the story was still true. So misinformation and fake news can happen accidentally. And the Mandela effect is a classic example of that. What's the motivation behind fake news and misinformation? Well, there's a lot of possibilities. I mean, sometimes it's just to sway public opinion. We saw this a lot in recent elections where, again, like the story with the guy putting his hand over his heart, just to make him look bad, they put that picture out there. Sometimes it's an attempt to convince consumers to buy. You know, our product is better than that product when in reality it's all the same. Uh, you try to control people's thinking, people who just want to be right. It's, it's a funny story. Misinformation, not doing your research, can be very deadly in uh, the business world. There was a story many years ago of the Chevy Nova, very popular vehicle, but it would not sell in places like Spain and Mexico. Because in Spanish, Nova means won't go. So it's called not doing your your homework. So misinformation can be a matter of uh, not getting all the information you need. So getting the facts and knowing what the truth is can be vital. I'm sure they lost tons of money over the cars they couldn't sell in those countries. What can people do to deal with fake news and misinformation? Well, one of the problems and one of the reasons that this works so well is that people tend to be lazy. 
if you read a headline and it says that this is true and you think that the source is uh, reputable, then you walk around with that fact in your mind, just like with the uh, Halloween candy. But you have to do your research. There is a website called Snopes, S-N-O-P-E-S dot com. It's one of the uh, sites that I like to go to whenever I have a question. Some people say, well, why do you believe Snopes versus anyone else? Well, they do their research and they will have references so you can check these things out. And very often when I see something online that I kind of question, I'll look it up on Snopes and surprisingly, surprisingly, the things that you think are true are not true. Another way you can avoid being scammed, there is a lot of, I don't know if you've heard the term phishing before. Mm -hmm. This is where people will send you an email to try to get you to click a link to do something. I got caught once with this. Uh, got an email that said it was from Facebook and that my account had been hacked and to go in and immediately change my password. So I clicked the link. There was Facebook. I changed my password, hit enter, and then I realized the web address was not Facebook. It was something else. Oh, jeez. So I went right to Facebook and, and changed my password for real. But what we, what we don't do is look at the details because it is very easy to build a website that looks like Facebook, that looks like your, um, your bank or whatever. Make sure that the web address is correct. If there is a link in an email, the link may say facebook.com. But if you hover over it, it may some, say something else. When you're reading uh, these emails, you'll find a lot of misspellings and bad grammar because sometimes these things are being put together by uh, people who don't speak English very well. So the whole idea is just to be careful. And if you do that, then, uh, you know, you'll, uh, you'll protect yourself. Also, don't be easily fooled. I got an email this morning saying that my email, uh, email account had been hacked. And as proof, they listed a password that I hadn't used for 10 years. So clearly they had gotten a password, but the thing was ancient and they didn't have access to my email account. So I just deleted it and let it go. But people are often motivated by fear and they'll see that and they're ready to send the guy money or, or click on links or whatever it is. Just give it some thought. If you're not sure, you know, talk to a computer guy who may have some experience with these things. I've, I've seen websites that will mimic viruses and will make you believe that you have a virus and click this link to pay us this money to fix it. And it's all just a hoax. I just close it. So part of it is just being rational, taking your time and checking it out. Uh, unfortunately, most people don't like to do that. Well, you are obviously very computer savvy and if we tie that into you being a science fiction well-known author, can you talk a little bit about how you use the computer and research and you write? What is your inspiration? Well, my, um, my first novel was a time travel story. And uh, some of the action took place during the Red Summer Riots in Chicago. And I wanted to be accurate. So I actually went to the library versus using the internet because I wanted to read the actual newspaper accounts. You know, they have all of this on uh, microfilm. Of course, then I realized that depending upon which paper you read, you got different information. So again, you have to be careful of, of your sources. Now, one of my novels is actually about um, computers kind of taking things over and, 
is a little scary because it's about people who are so engrossed in their cell phones and in social media that they don't realize what's going on and they're slowly being taken over. So it's entitled Epocalypse. And you might want to take a peek at that as a way of protecting yourself. Because again, I did a lot of research here. A lot of the things that are in that novel are real in terms of the ways that they can get into your heads. Again, the whole idea of behind good science fiction is having as much real science and facts behind it. If you put enough real science in, then the fiction part falls into place. I've had a surprising number of people read my time travel story and come back and ask me if it's real because I start off with real science and then end up with the science fiction. That's exciting. So if people want to learn more about the books that you have out there, how would they find that? Well, they're all on uh, Amazon in paperback, ebook, and audiobook. But if you go to bellingerbooks.com, all of my books are listed there. In fact, you can actually order autographed copies of the paperbacks. Well, that's good to know. Those would be good gifts coming up for the holidays here. Oh, absolutely. Steve, I understand that you're available to speak to groups as well as consult with people who are interested in your topics. If people are interested in getting a hold of you, what would be the best way for them to do that? Oh, absolutely. You can reach me at author at stevebellinger.com. I do presentations at libraries and and museums and places like that to uh, discuss my novels. I mentioned Joe Rulli, a friend of mine. He and I have put together a presentation entitled History and Fiction and Nonfiction. We had actually presented this a couple of dozen times, and COVID stopped our presentation for this year. So we're preparing an online version. If you go to my website, stevebellinger.com, get information about that and when you can actually catch us online. Oh, that's great. Thanks for joining us today. It's been a pleasure. Thank you. Thank you very much. You have been listening to Thought Leaders Talk Business, where we tap into the minds of business consultants and professionals to gain ideas and strategies to help you gain a competitive advantage. I'm your host, Debbie Fleeman. If you would like to reach me, email me at debbief at creativetechresources.com or pick up the phone and call 847 902-4175.